Okay, for sure, hands. How many of us have enjoyed the book of Job? Don't have to lie. You don't like it, you don't like it. You're not getting points for this. How many of us like, like it? Waves are healthy, but they... Malerato! Is there a way that we can eat this? <laughs> What's wrong, Black? You don't want live commentary? What if I want to no, say hallelujah and amen? What then? Nah, we're good. Amen, Pasta. I just like the sound of my voice, not yours, Tracy. <laughs> shut up, Black. You love my voice. Psh, whatever. You need to do that preaching. You need to shut up. <laughs> anyway. Um, cool. I've, I've enjoyed it. And, and I would challenge you to keep reading the book of Job, even after we're done with it. Go back. Um, I know we obviously skipped around because of time, but just take time with it and read it. Um, uh, I think it's an amazing book. It's beautifully written and, and it will help you uh, with a whole lot of questions in life. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll jump straight into it. Father, thank you for today for all that you've blessed us with. Thank you that we could uh, just have uh, chats before we hear you speak to us. I pray, Father, that you may speak to us um, through your words um, in our hearts. Um, and I pray, Father, that we may be challenged to live lives uh, differently in light of our relationship with you or in our relationship with you. I pray for all of these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Cool. So, so I asked you a question in the groups that you uh, were in. Uh, we had like uh, amazing chats, like quite intense and deep. And I think that's another thing with the book of Job. You just don't get to the bottom of it. It's just that, that deep. Um, and it's asking really profound life questions. Uh, but, but I asked if, if you were God, uh, like how would you run the world and why? Um, or, or rather what I'll ask now is if, if you had a chance to speak to God face to face, you don't have to answer it, but just think about it. If you have a chance to speak to God face to face, right? Um, you met him, he came into your room. Um, I mean, that would be scary. Like, just tell your parents to buy a new house after God lands in your room because he's going to destroy everything. Um, but God lands in your room, comes um, and you have a face to face to him. I wonder what you would say. What would be the first thing you say to him? Um, or after a couple of minutes when you've composed yourself, like what would be some of the things that you say? So uh, in reality, most of us don't get that experience um, unless you pastor Bushiri. Um, and even then it's probably cooked up. It's, it's not the real thing. <laughs> but, but most of us speak to God in our hearts, right? At least the Bible tells us that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Um, and and God is present in our hearts. If you're a Christian and you believe with you, if not, you have God's law in your heart, um, and you can't speak to Him because His law is an extension of who He is. Um, and if He's omniscient, omnipresent, He'll hear you. Um, but for for most of us, um, what do we say to God in our hearts, especially when stuff is tough, right? Uh, and I'm not speaking about exam tough. Like, like real life tough. I don't know what, some of the things you've gone through in life. Uh, one event that rocked my life, still rocks my life now. Married with a kid, but my parents' divorce still rocks my life. That was a tough time, right? Um, 
I wonder what you say to God in your heart during those tough times. Or when things are confusing, right? Um, stuff is going very crazy at home. Whatever reason, could be a million of reasons. What do you say to God um, in those times when you're facing extreme suffering? Because the book of Job, we see that. Like, here's this guy, loses everything. You know? We don't know what the time period is when he lost everything. Might have been one day and everything was wiped out. Imagine, like, you have kids, you have all this livestock, you have all this wealth, and it just disappears, right? Um, and then on top of that, you have, like, some crazy disease where you have boils. Um, and then chapter two tells us, so chapter three, that he was just sitting there scratching his skin um, because of the boils he has. So extreme suffering, right? What do you say to, to God in those moments? We know Job was a righteous man. Chapter one tells us that, uh, meaning he had right standing with God. Doesn't mean he was a perfect dude, um, but he had right standing with God. He had a relationship with God. That's what essentially righteous means. He's a man who feared God, he had reverence for God, he had respect for God. Um, he was in awe of God. He knew God is big, he knew God is mighty. He knew that he's a sinner, he's a small guy. Um, and he feared God in that sense. Uh, but, but Job went through extreme suffering. In fact, from chapters three, right up until where we are now, his friends are questioning him, right? And his friends see life in a very black and white kind of sense. Right? What, they, what they say to Job is, bro, you're suffering because you've sinned against God. And throughout the whole book, Job is making the case that I'm, I didn't sin, though. Like, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I have right standing with God. And I don't think that this is happening to me because I sin. And over and over, his friends are just like, you're talking rubbish, bro. You sin, dog. I, you probably said something to God, dog. Like, just remember. And, and Job is like, I did not do anything, right? And his one friend leaves, another friend comes and says, well, maybe maybe because you had money. You did something shady to get your money, right? And Job is like, dog, I didn't do anything shady. I paid my taxes. I promise, I don't have any shady tenders. I'm telling you the truth, right? Um, and his friend leaves, another one comes like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's your kids, bro. You know, maybe you're dodgy kids. That's the issue here. That's why you have boils. That's why God took everything away from you. And they just saw life in a black and white kind of way, right? Um, if you do evil, you'll get evil. Right? If you do good, you'll get good. And to an extent, they were, they were right, right? Um, at least that's what God tells us in, in Leviticus, Deuteronomy as well. You know, choose life, you'll, you'll get life choose death, you'll get death, right? Uh, so Proverbs also says that, right? There's a lot of Proverbs that kind of speak in that way. Um, if you do what is wise, right, you'll get good things. But if you act like an idiot, right, life will show you, right? Pretty simple, right? If, you, if you're just gonna be high all the time, don't respect your parents, do dumb things. Well, when I see you on the streets asking for money, I won't be like, ooh, I wonder what happened to you. I know what happened to you, you made stupid decisions, right? And I'm not saying everyone on the streets made stupid decisions, but, but most of the time when you choose bad things, you come out with bad results. So his friends were not completely wrong, but the thing that they were wrong on, they were presuming on God's part. They were saying, we know how God works, right? 
And this is how God works. And that's where we might find ourselves as well in life, especially when things are confusing, we have extreme suffering, things are going nuts, right? parents are fighting, schoolwork is tough, you might not be having money. Whatever the case is, I don't know what you're going through, you know your own lives, right? And at that point, you're like, I wonder what my parents did to God, or I wonder what I did to God, right? Um, and so at that moment, you're presuming on God's part, because as we'll see in the, in the chapters we'll read, but throughout the book of Job, God is doing trillion, quadrillion, quadrillion, whatever, right? But he's doing a billion things in the earth at the same time with everybody, right? That's mind-blowing for me, right? How many of us are here now? Um, somebody who's clever, come quick. But however many of us are here, right? God is doing not just one thing with me, or with Chris, or with Jamie. He's doing a million and trillion things in my life alone at the same time as he's doing that with both of them, right? That's nuts. Like, I... Yeah, I don't care what computer you'll find to try and run that system. You just have to be God. You can't be anything else, right? Um, and all of that is happening at the same time. And things might happen in our lives where we interact, where I'm like, but God is not supposed to do this. And what God does in the book of Job is, well, zoom out and see, see all these billion, trillion things that I'm doing. And then come presume on, on me again, right? And that's, that's where we find ourselves um, in chapters 38. Um, but, but Job also had his own conclusions when his friends were, were questioning him. And, and he was right to an extent that, that this suffering was not because he was unrighteous. But some of the conclusions he makes in previous chapters, they're insufficient uh, when it comes to God's part. And what do I mean by that? Is that Job spoke with so much certainty um, that definitely this is what God is doing, or God would not do this. It's so much certainty, right? And there's space for that. There's things that God reveals in the Bible that are very clear, right? Do not murder. That's very clear. You cannot go to God and be like, did you mean not stab them once? Or like, I shouldn't have stabbed them in the neck. Don't murder. It's clear. Don't do it, right? Do not, do not uh, commit adultery. It's pretty clear, right? God, did you mean I shouldn't commit adultery with white women or skinny women? Don't do it. There's no negotiation. It's clear, right? But there's other things that, are, that God hasn't revealed to us or he's revealed very little. And those things we cannot speak with certainty. Um, so where the Bible is clear, 100%, be confident. Say it like it is. But where God has left some mystery where there's a, some gray lines in it, here's what God is inviting you to do. Same thing that is inviting Job and is inviting all of us. Let's go to him in humility, right? Go to him in caution. Go to him with curiosity. Go to him with the spirit of wanting to seek and search, right? Um, we, we live in a world where, again, things are very black and white. And if they're not black and white, they don't make sense to us. But if you're honest, that's not how relationships work. With your friends, with your parents, right? With anyone you're in a significant relationship with, right? What tends to happen with relationships is that there's just 
a slow organic buildup um, of how you guys like connect, right? You don't just wake up one day and you're like, whoa, Jamie, I think you're amazing. And now we best friends, right? If you do that, I'd be worried. Um, but most of the time, even if you think somebody's amazing, because of the years and amount of time that you spend with them, something happens um, in bringing you guys together. Right? Clever people say, what's the thing that, that uh, electrons in your brains, I think, is it? That, that fire together. Hmm, ish, no, biology's killing me. I think it is electrons. Electrons that fire together, wire together. I think, because that's how you develop habits, right? Um, if you do something, I think it's electrons. And they fire together. So that next time when you perform that thing again, they wire and you just naturally do it, right? Or easily do it, not naturally, but easily do it. And I think that's what God is inviting you to do. That's what God does with Job. Yo, let's, let's fire together a couple of times, right? Every day, every moment, right? We'll, we'll wire together as we grow. Again, I'm an eternal God. You'll never get to the bottom of me. I'm inviting you into this wonderful relationship where we can walk organically together, especially when things are confusing, extreme suffering, you know, there's, 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 there's hurt. Um, God says, yo, come through with humility, with caution, with the spirit of, of seeking, and let's walk together, right? And that's, that's the, I believe, the call of the book of Job. Now, God doesn't give us full conclusions in the book of Job, but he leaves us wanting him, right? Um, because if, if he would, I mean, he does give us conclusions in other books, but I think what the book of Job is saying is that I'm not going to give you a, like a definite conclusion here because I want you to walk with me. I want you to come discover me, discover yourself in me as well, right? Who's the oldest person here? Michaela, 19, no, Sam, 100. Um, how old are you, Sam? 100, right? So it's taken Sam 100 years to live on this earth. She's not 100, by the way. Um, Gareth is the oldest. She's 34. <laughs> right? but, but even in Gareth's 34 years of living, he still doesn't know himself entirely. And what God is calling Gareth to do is, come walk with me. Discover more of me as, as you discover more of yourself. Right? Um, and you'll never get to the bottom of me. I've said this a million times um, here. We'll, we'll be in eternity with God. And every morning we wake up in heaven, we'll be like, oh, dad, I thought you were amazing yesterday. And God is like, well, come hang out with me today. See how amazing I am. And then you're like, oh, mind blown. This stuff is insane. And he'll say, come back tomorrow. And you'll come back. And after a billion years, you'll be saying the same thing. I thought you were amazing a billion years ago. He's like, well, welcome to another billion. Let's go. Right? And you'll just be like, smack, this guy's amazing. More layers and more layers and more layers. And as that's happening, guess what's happening to you? You're like, oh, damn, more layers, more layers, because you made in his image. I had you like, oh, smack, I didn't know I think like this. I didn't know I liked this. Oh, I didn't know that I could hate that. Um, I didn't know that I could speak like this. I didn't know I could, you know, think at this rate, whatever the things. But you'll discover more and more of yourself. Anyway, there's a, there's a lot to, 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 to get through here. Uh, but... But this is the first challenge that God gives Job, right? So Job has been 
and his friends have been questioning God in a sense, and this is the first time in the book of Job, God comes and says, right, cool, 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 boys, let me talk, right? You guys have been talking. Let me talk. So, so he challenges Job. Um, listen to what verse uh, 1 says, verse 1 of chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, right? Just that one verse there, you see Lord is written in capital letters, right? Um, and so, so when it's written in capital letters in English, it's the equivalent of the Hebrew word Yahweh, right? Uh, and that is a, a, a covenantal name for, 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 the, for the Israelites or Old Testament people, right? So if you, if you call him Yahweh, it's like you, you, that's, we're in a relationship, right? I'm not just calling you God, but Yahweh is you my homie, right? Um, and, so, and, so, and so God comes to Job in a whirlwind, one, su suggesting majestic power. So he's not just coming as his friend, right? His friends just came through and found him chilling at his gate and they were there. There wasn't a grand entrance. They just, Job's friends, right? But this is the God of the universe we're talking about. So he comes with majestic power, whirlwind, right? Um, and he's speaking to Job through that. But at the same time, he says, he identifies himself as Yahweh, as the Lord. So I, I come in majesty, but this is also relational presence. I love you, Job. I didn't come here to try and reprimand you. In fact, if you read to the end, Job, Job does not even get reprimanded in, in the same way his friends do, right? Um, so, so God is coming to Job and is saying, Job, I love you. I want to have I want to have a chat with you, right? Uh, chapter three, you might not remember this, but in chapter three, Job basically curses the day he was born. And he goes into great detail. Like I, I was going through the book of Job during lockdown. By the time I got, I mean, chapter three, listen, we, we early, right? Like early, I got to chapter three and I was like, this boy is depressed. Like this is going to be a hard read, right? Like I'm net, like this guy curses the day he was born, right? I wish you had never opened my mother's blue. I'm like, what? How could you say that about your mother, bro? Um, but he's just like, I wish, I wish the day I was born was just blotted out of the calendar. I'm like, oh, shucks, I'm intense, right? Um, but chapter three, he questions the day he, he was born. God comes here and says, okay, you, you guys have been asking questions about me. You think this is how I am. And you started off questioning the day you were born, right? Let, let me give you the day the universe was born, right? So comparison, the day you were born and you think you know everything because you were born here and Job is however old he is. Let me give you the birth of the universe. And that's what God does, right? So, so we're gonna look at three things. Um, we're gonna look at the first circle. I call it the first circle uh, because God gives us how the universe was born. And then with, within that, the second circle, all the structures in the universe and then the last circle is life within those structures in the universe right so so read with me verses four we're looking at the big circle at the the universe uh verses four till seven listen to what god says where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth tell me if you have understanding who determined its measures uh surely you know or who stretched the line upon it or on on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang uh, morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy right and so god is saying yo listen if if you think you know how the world works right um again job you have a very limited understanding like all of us 
do you think you know it all? Jared spoke about wisdom last week, right? And and that's what that's what we were, uh, he he was leading up to, right? Speaking about wisdom and where we get wisdom, um, and 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 again, if if you have all the wisdom, cool, let's have a conversation. Then, if you if you think that you could curse the day you were born because you would have done it better, where were you when when the universe was formed, right? Uh, who laid the foundations of the universe? Uh, who who measured the universe, right? Um, look at what he says in verse thirty one. Uh, verse 31 till 33, if you if you just cross over there. Can you bind the chains of the Pallades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on earth? Right? Where were you when, when I put the constellations um, in the sky? Right? Where, where were you when, when I made sure that seasons just recur, right? Without me pressing a button, right? There's nowhere in the history of the universe where anyone has said, I remember a time, like you get an old person who says, I remember a time when winter did not come. Like you say, granddad, you hi. Um, or I think you need to like lay down, right? Nobody would say that. Nobody remembers a time where there was no spring. There was no winter, there was no summer. They just keep on coming. Nobody remembers a time, right? Even if you're super tired, nobody remembers a time where they were like, yeah, see, I, I woke up at 10 in the morning and it was still night. The sun came up at exactly the same time it's been coming up since the universe was, was made. Nighttime falls the same time since the universe was created, right? Um, there was never a time, except one time in the Bible, but God did it, right? When somebody stopped the day, but God did it, right? That's the one time that's recorded for us in history. But anywhere else, there isn't. But even that event, God was the one who stopped it, right? Um, but never, right? So, so if you have all the wisdom, you tell me then, right? How, how, how the, the, the constellations uh, are placed in the sky, how the seasons come um, every, every time with, with nobody pushing a button. And so what God is saying is, yo, listen, things might be rough, right? Where you at? And, and you might be questioning a lot, but don't make conclusions because, again, you don't know what I'm doing. But here's a picture of where I'm at. Here's a picture of how I see everything, right? And, and this is such a privilege that Job would even get this to say it's a privilege for us to sit here this morning and get this picture. And God is saying, come to my level, right? Um, and see how I structured everything. Listen to the second circle. Uh, this is the structures within the, the universe. Verses 8 um, um, of, of chapter 38. Listen to what verses 8. We'll read verses 8, 9, 12, 13, 16 to 18. Uh, but we'll skip. So verses 8 says, Or who shut the sea uh, with, with doors when it burst out of the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. Uh, verses, verses 12. Have you commanded the morning since your days began uh, and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? 
verses 16 till 18, listen to what verse 16 says. Have you entered into the springs of the sea and walked in the recess of the deep? Um, verse 17, have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of the deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all of this, right? See what God is saying. So from the universe, now let's come in, right? Who, who created the sea? Who made sure that the sea does not cross over, stays where it is, right? Um, sure, we have tsunamis where the sea gets onto, onto the earth, but that's, that's a disaster, right? When life is normal and it's working the way it is, the sea stays where it is, right? Again, speaking of the morning, uh, who, who commands the morning since your days began, right? Uh, even when you were born, the day you were born, the sun did exactly what the sun did the previous day. Night did what night did the previous night. Um, but did you command anything that day? No, you didn't, right? Um, I've been in charge. I've been commanding that. Then he speaks about, he speaks about life and death. Um, you know, uh, do, do, you know, do you know where life begins? Do you know where death ends? Um, he speaks about those structures within the, the universe. Uh, he speaks about um, uh, justice in verses, in verses 13, right? Listen to what he says there. Um, so from verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn uh, to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and shake uh, and the wicked be shaken out of it, right? So he's saying even, even like, like um, structures of law, of justice, I, I run all of that, right? Um, again, making reference to the, to, the, to the US election. God knew who was gonna win and God decided that he will do with every Christian in the world uh, what he wants to do through the new president. Even when we get a new president, right? the book of Romans tells us all authority is established by God. All of it is borrowed authority um, and God decides uh, who stays in those structures of justice. Um, but, but see how he speaks of his justice. He, he speaks of the dawn pulling the skirts of the earth, shaking the wicked out of it. Right? Just speaking about how he has perfect justice. Right? So, so when things are going crazy in our lives and we're like, oh, stuff isn't just, blah, 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 blah. God is like, I chill. I, I, I know what perfect justice is. I know what true righteousness is. And when the day of judgment comes, trust me, there's not going to be a mistake. There's not going to be a, oops, smack, this guy got a death sentence by mistake. No, right? When you're in hell, God is like, you're in hell and he has clear reasons for it, right? Uh, when, when you're with him in eternity, he has clear reasons for it. And so he uses this metaphor of how the dawn, which is, is, is the, the break of day, pulls out the skirts of the, of the earth, basically exposes um, all those who are wicked. And that speaks of perfect justice, perfect righteousness. So he runs those structures um, and he's in control of them, right? Uh, look at the, the lost circle then, life within these structures. And that's where we find ourselves, right? Day-to-day -day lives. Um, let's read um, verses 30, uh, chapter 39, rather. If you can go to chapter 39, uh, verses 1 to 4. Um, or rather, sorry, let's start at, at, at verse 39. Of chapter 38 listen to what he says there uh, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the lung, young lions 
when they crouch in their dens or lay in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wonder about for lack of food? Right? Uh, verses 1 of chapter 39. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the carving of the doves? Can you number the months of uh, the, the months they fulfill, that they fulfill? Do you uh, and do you know the time when they give birth, when the when they crouch, uh, bring bring forth their offspring, and are delivered of their of their young? Verses four: the young ones uh, become strong; they grow up in the open; they go out and do not return to them. Right? And, and this is just a small picture of how God says He's He's intimately involved with, with everything. Right? Um, are you there when when the mountain uh, goats give birth? They've been giving birth for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? With no human intervention, right? Um, in the book of Matthew, God says, we shouldn't worry about what we're gonna eat, what we're gonna um, uh, dress in, what we're gonna um, sleep, where we're gonna sleep rather, uh, because he's been taking care of, of birds for thousands and thousands of years. And birds don't worry about what they're gonna eat, right? The, the lilies of the valley, he says, they're more, um, uh, glorious than Solomon in all his glory. Solomon was probably like the richest guy in the world, history of the world, right? Um, and yet the lilies of the valley are more arrayed than Solomon, right? And God says, I've, I've been taking care of ants, bro. Stuff has been working for thousands, for thousands and thousands of years. Birds have been eating, right? Mountain goats have been giving birth. Foxes have been giving birth. Everything has been taken care of uh, for thousands and thousands of years, right? But, but listen to how he speaks of, of the, the ostrich. I mean, if you, if you continue down those verses, verses 9, he speaks about the wild ox and how the wild ox serves him. And he's asking Job, will the wild ox serve you the same way it serves me? Um, but listen to how he speaks about the ostrich. Uh, I just want us to pause there because that was very interesting for me. Listen to what he says in verses 13. The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but they are uh, pinions and, and, plum and plumage of love. For she leaves her eggs to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them and that a wild beast may trample them. She deals cruelly with her young as if they were not hers, though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear because God has made her forget wisdom and given her no share in understanding. When she rouses herself to flee, she laughs at the horses um, and and his rider, right? So, so what he's saying there about the ostrich is, look, look at how the ostrich is. One sense, the ostrich knows that for my, for my, for my eggs to be warm, I put them on the ground, right? So the ground is warm. She knows that. How she knows that? God doesn't explain that to us. But the ostrich knows that I need to put my eggs on the ground for them to be warm and to keep them safe. But at the same time, she's unaware that other beasts can trample on them, right? Um, and in verses, in verses um, 16, it says she cruelly deals with, with her young, meaning that if she, if she leaves, right, and she's, she's left her eggs on the ground, covered them with some leaves, but when she comes back, if there's a leaf that, that's removed, she thinks that, shucks, my eggs are exposed. Guess what she does? She kills her own eggs, right? But at the same time, that ostrich has so much courage. She doesn't fear a horse and a horse's rider, when, when she's roused by the horse, she can charge after a horse, right? And so you see an animal like that and how God describes that, right? 
super intelligent. There's a whole lot of wisdom. Gets that she needs to look after her kids in that way, but at the same time, she's not smart enough to know that the kids will be killed. She's not smart enough to realize that I'll just put a, a branch back when my eggs are exposed. Why does she kill her her kids? God doesn't explain that to us, but at the same time, she's so brave, no fear, right? And and that's what God is saying in the book of Job, especially now in the third circle where we find ourselves. Life is not as black and white as we think it is, right? It's not as brave as, oh, here's the ostrich charging after the horses, but it's also not like, oh, this thing is stupid. Why would you kill? Your... It exists. All of it exists in the ostrich. And so what God is saying here, it's not a matter of the ostrich is stupid or clever. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, stupid or clever, yes, or, or, or wrong or right. But the ostrich is, is beautifully complex. It's frustratingly amazing, right? Um, and and we, we tend to not exist in those lines. We either want to be amazing or we want to be frustrated. We want to be beautiful or we want to be complex. And the book of Job says, Life is beautifully complex. Life is frustratingly amazing, right? Um, and, and there's a tension there. Um, but how do you reconcile that tension? Again, like I said at the beginning, God invites you to come walk with him organically, saying, Lord, right now I feel super frustrated, but I see the beauty in this thing. I just don't get it. And God says, well, just, just come chill with me. Let's, let's talk, right? talk to me explain to me what you're feeling explain to me what the situation looks like again he's doing a trillion things so he can he can give you a straight answer right something chris said in our group uh, when she answered uh, what she would change in the world if she was gone and she said not much because even in the craziness she sees how people can grow and benefit from some of the things that we'd say that's chaotic. I don't want to be part of that, right? And it's just Chris, right? In a small brain, not in an insulting way, but compared to God, it is, right? And yet God can see trillion, billion, whatever after trillion is. He sees all of that. So he can't give you, but, but clearly there's something that he's doing to shape you, to grow you, to, to mature you, right? To, to bring you out of whatever the thing is and however you're going to look like at the end. And the Bible tells us that's looking like Jesus, right? Who is also a paradox in himself, right? It's both God and man, right? You're like, how can you 100%? He's not 50% man and 50% God. He's 100% God and 100% man. And yet those two exist and there isn't conflict, right? And, 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 and yet we, we worship that God. How, how can that be? And he invites you to, to come see and discover that mystery. Um, and and that's, that's the book of Job, right? It leads us to, to those kind of big questions. Um, so listen to verse 20, 26, uh, verse 26 till verse 30. Um, verse 26 says... Um, is it by your understanding that the hawk soars um, and spreads his wings toward the south? Is it, is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? Right? Um, verse 28, on the rock he dwells and makes his home. 
on the rocky edge, uh, Craig Rother and Stronghold. From there, he spies out the prey, his eyes behold it from far away. His young ones uh, suck up blood, and where the slain are, there he is. Again, just how he's so intimately involved um, in, in, in all of life um, and, and how he's dealing with it's all things. I mean, if, if you think, if you had a job, you'd probably say, like, pick one thing, just deal with the animals, right? So I'm there just dealing in the animal department. And even in the animal department, you'll probably, like, narrow it down. Okay, I'll only deal with dogs. So when dogs give birth, I'll be there. When dogs are hungry, I'll feed them. Uh, when dogs are sick, I'll heal them. You know what I mean? And that's the capacity that you might have. But what God is saying is, I do that with dogs, I do that with foxes, I do that with elephants, I do that with snakes, I do that with, with the entire animal kingdom, and I do that with all of you, right? Um, in all your complexities, in, in, in all your difficulties, in all your confusion, in all your victories, in all your beauty, in all the ugliness, in all the brokenness, in all the frustration, in all the amazing moments, all the good things, and all the bad things, God is saying, there's, there's a billion things that I'm doing um, and I'm bringing you uh, towards myself. So, so, so in closing, listen to what verse uh, 2 of chapter 40 says. Uh, so God says, shall a fault finder, speaking of Job, contend with the Almighty. And, and what he's saying is there is that you, you won't find a fault in what I'm doing. Right? We can talk about it. We can live together, explore it, right? organically uh, see how this big story of redemption that God calls us into is unfolding, but you won't find a fault. And that's comforting, that God doesn't make a mistake. Right? The other question I asked is that if you were God, what would, how would you run your own life? Right? Uh, and there's things that I look at in my life and I'm like, oh, was God, bro, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have allowed that probably would have changed this so that I could be here. Um, but even then, I'm playing maths with God. Um, and if God is doing a trillion things in the world, I, I could move one piece, but I don't see how that one piece affects a billion other pieces, right? Um, I, have, I have two sisters. And if I had changed one thing in my life, I cannot comprehend how my one decision would, affect, would have affected them, right? If I changed one thing in my life uh, that I wanted to change, would I have a kid be married to the wife I'm married to now? Probably not, because I would have changed one thing, probably would have ended up with somebody. I don't know. Again, I'm not God. But God in his wisdom, in his providence, there's things that he allows in my life, in your life. There's things where he sometimes says, and that's the book of Job, where he says, well, I'll just stand here and watch. I know how all of this is going to pan out. But it's loving for me as your creator, as your father, to let you make decisions, right? I'm not dictating, just make the decisions. Um, I'll be here, right? Um, and, and it's not in the same sense. If you read Romans 1, um, chapter 18, right? I mean, verses, chapter 1, verses 18 uh, to 27, there's a sense in which the, the people that God speaks about there, he gives them up. And that's a dangerous place, right? Those people keep on saying to God, God, we want to run the world this way. And then God says, well, if that's how you want to run the world, I don't think it's wise, so I'm giving you up. And when he gives you up, you end up making a whole lot of stupid decisions and wreck your life, again, because you have such a limited view. 
But when God says, I'm here, right? It's like a kite, right? When somebody has a kite, the kite is on a leash, but when the kite is flying in the sky, the kite could fly anywhere the wind directs it, right? The person that's holding the leash of the kite is just making sure that the kite does not wander off and end up on a pile of trash. But the kite can do whatever it does in the sky. And sometimes God does that, right? Where we say, God, like, just, just give me an answer. Somebody was saying, you know, I just want God to say, bah, I think it was one day. I wish God would say, don't get that job. Don't date that guy, right? This is where you go, you'll end up here. And sometimes God is like, listen, you're on this leash. And I know the word leash sounds bad, right? But, but the example of the kite and the leash, the leash is God's love. I'll, I'll let this leash run as, as far as you want it to run, right? I don't want to let you go because I know how the world is. It's a terrible place. I know what Satan does, right? Um, and I don't want to let you. If I let you go, you're going to end up in a pile of trash. But you can fly anywhere you want, right? And so you might fly and hit other kites. And God in his in his wisdom, in his providence, he's directing a million, seven billion other kites, the seven billion of us, right? And so we're all in the sky, just flying, doing our thing, having nice times, and God is holding us and saying, you know, if, if I let you go, and those that want to be let go, again, Romans 1, um, chapter, verses 18, he lets them go and they end up in a pile of trash. But for those that he's inviting, listen to the second part of verses 2, right? So verse 1, he says, shall a fall find a contend with the Almighty? Uh, the second part, he says, he who argues with God, let him answer it, right? Um, and so it's not, even, it's not even necessarily like a, yo, mic drop, I'm serving you. But, but, but it's, it's an invitation, right? Uh, come, come argue with me, right? Um, and the word argument, obviously, in our head is this, this tension. But that's not what God is saying to Job here. Uh, let's, let's have a conversation, right? Let's talk. Right? Um, you, have, you have so much freedom that you can do stuff. I'm holding you because I love you and I don't want to let you go. Um, and so instead of giving you a direct answer and saying, don't marry that guy or don't take this job, or now that you're in matric or whatever the case is, go to this university. Instead of doing that, the world is again beautifully complex, frustratingly amazing. Make the decision, right? Make the decision based on all that you know of me, again, what is revealed. So what God has revealed to you in the Bible, right? Make decisions based on that, right? And, and there isn't necessarily a wrong or right decision um, in terms of what is revealed. If you, if, if, I mean, rather, if what is revealed, there's wrong and there's right, then don't, don't use those parameters. But everything else is just, again, complexly beautiful, frustratingly amazing. There's a lot of gray. Make the decision. If it doesn't work out, I still have you on the leash. Come back. Let's talk. Explain to me why you made that decision. Explain to me why you want to take another another decision. And again, does God know all your answers? Yes, he does. So why does he invite you to do that? It's because you are growing, right? You are growing. You are maturing. You are trusting him more and more. Again, it's a relationship. He's not just a dictator. So he's calling you to say, Discover how big I am, how amazing I am, how loving I am. There's all this freedom that I'm giving you. And if you step into a couple of potholes, you hit a, or rather you hit a couple of trees as you're flying, just, just come back. I have you. Let's talk. Tell me how it felt when you hit the tree. Right? And why did you feel that way? 
Let's come back. Let's let's talk. Right? Let, let me show you what I've revealed and made clear. Um, and there's there's other mystery. Right? I'll guide you in other things. Other things again. Let's make the decision. But I'm here. Come back. Let's let's talk. Um, and so and so I want to say, Scott is is asking you to 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 walk life out with him. Right? Not a all is said. Christianity is a relationship with God. It's not a one-time decision. You know, I'm, I, I accepted Jesus in my life and I'm done. It's an everyday thing. And the everyday thing is the same thing you do with every other human that you're in a significant relationship with. You learn them, there's frustrations at other times, you're angry at them, you love them, like, you know, you would kill yourself for them at other times, whatever the case is, but you're walking with them. And this thing is working itself out organically with them. But the God of the universe is inviting you to do that with him, right? Uh, be in the moment. Be in the moment with God. God, I'm frustrated now. Like Job, super frustrated. There's no point in trying to Christianize it and be like, well, I'm super frustrated, but I'm going to smile at God and say all my Christian prayers rightly. Oh, Jesus, I pray all of this in your name. No, yo, God, I don't want to pray to you today, bro. I'm pissed off, right? I'm angry. God is not like, <gasps> How dare you say you're angry at me? He's like, let's, let's chat. Why are you pissed? Why are you angry? Right? Let's, let's walk. Let's, let's be in the moment. God, I'm super excited. I met this guy. He's amazing. And God knows that that guy might cheat on you later in life, but he's not going to tell you in the moment. And so he's inviting you to come sit down with him. Why is he amazing? Why do you think you can spend the rest of your life with him? Because here's the thing that happens, is that you own your decisions. You grow, right? You trust God more and more, right? Um, there's something that happens with us. It's, it's the same thing he says with prayer um, in, in the book of Matthew, right? He says, yo, your heavenly father already knows what you're going to ask for, but still come pray. And you're like, but that's redundant. And it's like, not for you, right? And it's not redundant for him as well. But especially not for you. Just come, say it. So, so I'll close off by saying this, man. Live, live in the moment with him. Flash it out with him. It doesn't matter where you are, right? You might be asking questions about first circle type stuff. Like you're questioning the fabric of truth. What is truth, right? You might be there questioning that. God is saying, it's cool. Let's chat about big first circle universal stuff. I'm here. Showing you how I laid the foundations of the universe. Let's, let's chat. Right? You might be second circle where you're at. Life, death, right? Um, you're thinking about your future. Thinking about where, where should I belong in life? What am I? An accountant, musician, what am I? You know, I'm going to save the world. Am I just going to be a secretary at the library? What structure do I fit in? God says, cool, come, let's chat. Right? Uh, or, or you might be third circle. And you just have events in your life, decisions, deep emotions, thoughts that you're wrestling with. Right? There's, there's one thought that I keep on, I've been fighting all my life, right? Uh, super graphic, I won't share with you. But like I've, I've been wrestling this thing all my life. And I keep on asking God, why don't you take these thoughts away from me? Why don't you, right? And I remember what he says to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. If I take this thing away from me, probably not even going to understand my grace. And I'm like, damn, God, okay, cool. I'm here. I want more of your grace. This thing is paining me. Please take it away. And he's like, 
ah, just come, let's chat about it. All right? And I go to him and I chat to him about it every time. But every time I leave, I'm like, please take it away. And he still hasn't taken it away. But it's grown me in leaps and bounds in massive ways with him. Right? It's something I would say if I looked at life in a black and white way. Thing is bad, God, take it away. And he hasn't. So, so you might be there as well. So come, walk with him. Right? Um, and we'll see then uh, for the next two weeks how he concludes things with with, with Job, if he does conclude, right? Um, but I'm gonna pray for us, and, and I pray that when you get home, right, just take time, just sit alone and think, where are you in your relationship with God? If you don't have a relationship with God, maybe this is the day you think about it. Where am I in light of this big cosmic universal God who runs everything, owns everything, where am I, right? And if you have a relationship with him, what are you struggling with? Where, which circle are you at? Start walking with him. Even if you're repeating the same thing over and over to him, like I've been repeating the same thing over and over to him for years, but he's grown me in that one day. So with that one day, right? So take time off um, at home today. Even if it's 30 minutes, to spend time with the Lord. He's inviting you to do something. Okay. Let's pray for us, uh, and then we'll sing one song. Father, thank you for um, your word. Thank you, Lord, that even in your word, it's just so layered. There's a lot of complexities, a lot of beauty, a lot of things that that cause tension in our hearts, a lot of things in your word that frustrate, frustrate us. But yet, Lord, you've given us this word. And the way you've written it is so that we can read it for all eternity. Again, it is an extension of who you are. So so we'll read your word when we meet you, we'll talk to you in person, and we will be mind blown by who you are. So I pray, Father, that that if we just have your word now, that it may really, really just blow our minds now. Prepare us for the time that we meet you. But I pray for everyone sitting here, Lord, that they will take time to just be with you walk Lord in all the messiness and all the muddiness the beauty the confusion um, and that Lord they would they would grow with you in you um, and for your sake to look more and more like Jesus in wonderful and wonderful name we pray Jesus amen